It's Tuesday, March 29th, the last day of Shop Talk, and this is Talk Commerce. Are you an entrepreneur looking for cash to grow? Banks, venture capital, they all want a piece of you. Asher Ishmael shows us a new perspective on funding a growing business and walks us through how his model will help entrepreneurs grow quickly. Asher is the co-founder of Uncapped. He helps entrepreneurs raise capital without giving up control of their business. The company was born of frustration with the limited financing options available for European entrepreneurs. Uncapped provides business advantages between 10K and 5 million with 0% interest and no hidden charges, allowing founders to access fair and flexible financing. It makes money by charging a low flat fee, which is paid back through future sales revenue. Talk Commerce is brought to you by Chipbot. Are you enjoying answering the same question over and over every day? Do you wonder why people are leaving your site? Are you sick of knowing how many carts are left abandoned, moments away from a sale, or are you just getting exhausted thinking about parsing all that data from your website? I recently found this great tool that I installed on the Talk Commerce website. You can see it live right now at talk-commerce.com. Chipbot Pylons and Chipbot Nexus are two tools integrated into one plugin that helps you manage your site smarter. It took me less than 15 minutes to configure and install. I have a thumbnail video that I recorded myself and I can instruct visitors on something to do and an action to take. You also have the option of configuring different action items like send me an email. Through Chipbot Nexus, I can answer questions and more importantly, I can learn from my clients by listening to what they are asking for. And if you thought it couldn't get any better, You can log into your dashboard and get metrics on what your visitors are doing on your site. During the installation process, I got fantastic support and ChipBot helped me to make my bot even better. Try it today, it's free. Go to getchipbot.com and sign up today. That's getchipbot.com. G-E-T-C-H-I-P-B-O-T.com. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. All right, welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. I'm very excited today. I have Asher. He is the co-founder of Uncapped. And as we were just talking about in the green room, I was very confused. I thought it was a whole service about taking off hats, but apparently it's not. Uh, And that was our joke, and I should have said it during the podcast, but I didn't. But Asher, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us what you do in a day-to-day life, and uh, and maybe one of your passions. All right. Hey, Red, thank you so much for having me on the show. As you mentioned, I'm I'm the co-founder of Uncapped, and what we're really passionate about is that actually founders shouldn't have to give away equity in order to fund their growth. So we provide fast, flexible funding to e-commerce businesses for marketing, inventory, hire, but without personal guarantees or dilution. My background also is in startups, and this is like the third business that I've started over the years. And the biggest problem I always had was getting the funding that I needed. And I think working with hundreds of e-commerce founders, I've just really seen how they've struggled too. 
So for me, it's a dream to get to work on Uncapped. Every day, I get to help other entrepreneurs get the funding that they need. And our first customers were also my friends. So from the start, we really tried to create a product that is actually really friendly, that's fast, that's fair, that's transparent. It's you know, what you'd want to give to a mate. We're, we're now in 22 countries, including the US, the UK, Germany, Poland, Spain, if you have any listeners over there. And our business has just been really growing exponentially. So we're deploying hundreds of millions of dollars of funding. And we actually now fund more businesses in a day than a typical VC will fund in a year. Wow, that's really cool. So I, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 30 years or so, and I also know the struggles of trying to raise capital. What sort of starting points would you give to a budding entrepreneur when they're trying to raise cash for their... I think the first thing I would say is don't do what I did, which is I think probably related to like kind of the inspiration for Uncapped. Uncapped is born out of the frustrations I faced when I was like launching my first business um, like back in 2003. And I was young and I was just trying to raise 100K. And I probably had 100 meetings and got 100 no's. And I didn't want to take financing from the banks because they all wanted personal guarantees. And I was young. I didn't have those kinds of assets. And the venture capital, it wasn't ideal either because I didn't have a track record. I didn't have connections or like a warm introduction. And so I just repeatedly missed out on growth opportunities. And then I think it came to raising money for my second business. And you know, I thought I had it all figured out. And I ended up raising millions in venture capital. But then I also got terribly diluted and I started to realize that the options for me were really limited and it was just depressing to think that I could work so hard and own so little. And you know, what I also realized is it's not just me, like, you know, typically if you have a growing business, you're often left to choose between either raising costly venture capital or burdening yourself with traditional debt. And so of course we're trying to, you know, find a better way. My, my first piece of advice to, to any founder is to really make sure they know about all the options that are available. We have more options than are ever existed previously for an e-commerce company to be able to get funded. And so I think knowing about what all your options are is incredibly powerful. So I'd say that's a, a first step. I know. The other thing, so go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was just going to make one more point, which is I think the other interesting thing is, of course, the best type of funding is actually no funding. As much as funny for us to say, of course, our, we're in the business of trying to fund other companies. But I think so much of uh, the hype around raising money causes people to perhaps take money that they don't really need. And whenever I'm working with other entrepreneurs, I always say to them, if you can actually think about your business and how you would actually make it work if you didn't raise this money, that is such a great thing because it's going to mean that now when you are going out to get that funding, you're going to be able to have that confidence to know how your business could work without it. And therefore, you're much less likely to raise from a point of desperation. Yeah, and I, the the golden rule about asking for money from a bank is ask for the money when you don't need it, because when you do need it, that's when the bank's not going to give it to you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I think earlier you had said about you're trying to raise a hundred k, and I think that's I, I can only share from experience that that lower lower end part of raising money is probably the hardest part of raising money. Most people at that range would just go to their friends and family or even take out credit cards to try to raise that kind of capital. What? How do you help young entrepreneurs who don't need a million dollars or a hundred million dollars? What if they only need a hundred thousand dollars? Is there a market for that type of business uh, venture? Yeah, I guess more specifically what we're doing at Uncapped is we're providing this new funding option that's an alternative to debt or equity. And incredibly, it starts from 10K. The, the businesses that we'll first start to work with are ones who um, are just doing 10K of monthly sales. 
And so we can go up to 5 million in capital as well. But very often it's a business where the founder has gotten to that point where they've started to see that they have something that's working. And they believe it's not just something that's side of desk anymore. And when you get to 10K, that's the mark where you could start to say, hey, this could actually be my full-time gig. And we're also looking for that potential to scale it. Because what we want to do is help those entrepreneurs who have something that's working. They're making some money, but now they need more fuel for the fire and really work with them to be able to scale it without taking a piece of the pie. And I was going to, I was going to ask, making sure that the venture is working. How do you do some, you must do some in-depth assessment to make sure that whatever you're investing in, in is a viable solution. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of the, the interesting things that's different about our model is unlike VC where they need like one in 10 businesses to succeed, we actually need 99 to a hundred percent of the businesses that we fund to actually succeed. So it's a different game and. That does mean that we you know, understand businesses really deeply. But the way we do it is also really different from how a bank would do it. We don't ask you for a business plan or to come in and, and make a pitch or meet a bunch of folks for coffee. What we do is we connect to the data sources that your company already uses to run. So we might be connecting to your Google account or your Facebook ads or your Shopify. And we use that connection to be able to get this 360 view of how your business is performing and make a data-driven decision really quickly. So typically we can turn around from first speaking to you to getting you an offer within 24 hours. And uh, the power of that, of course, is that it means that you can get back to running your business. Because all that time, of course, I was spending going out and trying to pitch to people and raise that money was time I, I wasn't spending on actually working with my team or my customers and really building the, the company and the product that I really believed was what would take me to the next level. Do you then offer, so you've connected to some of the services, do you then offer some support in places where you see that they need help in, in their yeah, systems? Yeah, well, one of, one of the, the cool things about it is that you know, we really try to be the smartest money that a founder could get. Lots of investors talk about giving you smart money, but in our world, why we really believe we're the smartest is because we have access to that data insight and we can actually use that to help you unlock and identify opportunities in your company. The same data that we use for underwriting, we can turn around with our team and give you insights about what you could be doing with your ads, where are there opportunities to grow, where is there missed potential in terms of customer lifetime value. And some of those things that so often I see founders maybe are just a little bit less familiar with, or they aren't as focused on maybe not have the, the team in place to really help them think about data or finance in that way. And it's great to be able to say that we have a bunch of experts on our team who can really support that. Okay. So the, so you've helped them and then support them. Are there, I, mean, I don't want to go into a bunch of details, but I'm assuming then there are, is there risks to the person who's getting the money in this case, maybe not risks, but are fees involved in that? Overhead. Yeah, so maybe I should back up and just tell you a little bit more about you know, <laughs> what it is we're offering because I guess we're talking around it. Maybe that'll help clarify clarify that. Uncapped is a new way for founders to fund their growth. And what we do is we provide equity and interest-free investments that start from 10K up to 5 million. And we charge a flat 6% fee on the capital provided. And businesses only repay the capital as they make revenue with no set repayment date, no compounding interest, equity or personal guarantees. So maybe to give you an example, if we were say to lend you hundred K to spend on marketing, we take back a fixed portion of your daily revenue. That might be 
five or 10% until we get 106K back. So there's no hidden fees there. You're just paying the 6% flat fee. And critically, because the repayments are tied to your revenue, if the business slows down, the founder isn't caught out. The repayments just also slow down. And you know, we believe it is the most affordable, flexible type of financing available to growth companies. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. And and then the additional services or let's call them coaching services are something that helps you and the entrepreneur, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. It's a win-win because we get repaid when the business generates sales. So if we can help that business now accelerate their sales, incredible. That's like a great win for the business. And also, so as a, a budding e-commerce entrepreneur, what would I expect or what should I do to prepare for getting funding from somebody like you? And I think more generally, I think about preparing for fundraising in the current environment is I think there was this time where you could have like growth at any cost. And there were so many founders who would be pitching investors solely on their ability to actually acquire customers. And I think that period is probably over, at least temporarily. So I think like in the current environment, it's really about having more you know, rigorous planning and preparation. They're really critical, whether you're funding from us or, or for somebody else. But I think with the right preparation, there are still like great funding opportunities. I think yeah, some people have been thinking that there's fewer opportunities than there were previously. But I think as another investor I know put it, the markets are stronger right now than a lot of people realize, but it just needs a brand that has the right plan, data, and story. And so I think a smart founder just also just needs to tap into all the options that are available. For I mentioned earlier that you shouldn't, or the best time to ask a bank for money is when you don't need it. And then you had said that a lot of people take money they don't need. Uh, how would you navigate that uh, conundrum to make sure you have capital, but don't take capital you don't need? Yeah, I, th I think it's, first of all, it's understanding how you're going to use the funds and how will that actually change your business and having that story. In e-commerce, so often the, the problems that I see is founders just needing more working capital, right? Because there is a really challenging situation of setting up an e-commerce business. Like from the start, you have tough, tough suppliers who are going to have payment terms that are, are difficult to navigate and you need some funding for that. And as well, often an e-commerce business has a lot of seasonality. And again, that means that you might need to you know, really be stocking up um, on inventory. And then as well, potentially funding advertising in a time when everybody else is also funding advertising. And so those periods can put a lot of pressure on an e-commerce business. And knowing, understanding your cycle and like what you expect for your business and what those needs are can you know help you be better prepared in terms of what capital requirements you have. We've also, I've also just seen how businesses have taken some of the current challenges in terms of funding and be able to like spin that around and make them into an opportunity. For example, on the, on that challenge around inventory, you know, one of the brands that we work with, they had in the previous period suffered from having so much of their um, shipments and inventory just be, end up sitting on the ocean on its way from China. And so in this round, what they really learned to do ahead of this like holiday season was just actually ordered that extra inventory, but negotiated a deep discount from their suppliers, which was say actually 10%. And, or, and because of that, they then needed the additional capital, of course, to, to be able to fund it. But by working with a partner like us, we charge a 6% flat fee. And so they actually turned something that would have been a challenging opportunity and actually increased their margins by actually putting in that bigger order, but also 
have the confidence now that they have enough supply you know, to meet all the demand. So I think using funding in a smart way and understanding how it can actually advantage you are the best ways to use capital. And I was going to say the trends that are happening nowadays are around that supply chain issue. And I'm sure you're seeing a lot more merchants now wanting to stock up on items to make sure that they have enough inventory, which is counter to the traditional model of just-in-time inventory where you can't rely on that anymore. Are you seeing that from, from a standpoint of things happening in the market? Are there certain trends that you're seeing that are causing different fluctuations in the capital market? I think definitely in the inventory situation, you're totally right. I would say it's probably everything is double what it was previously. So whatever you know timeline you had on your supply chain, you're probably looking at double the length very commonly. And I think that's going to be the case for a while. That's been putting pressure in Europe. Of course, we've been having challenges um, with businesses around Brexit and some of the other challenges that are happening there. There's been a shift, of course, in, in the pandemic and investors and capital markets rethinking what's happening with that. And of course, the e-commerce market was hugely accelerated during the pandemic. In three months, we had 10 years worth of growth. And I think that on one hand created like a ton of excitement. But also, I think under the buzz, there's also some skepticism about the sustainability of that growth, especially for brands that have operated unprofitably and primarily powered their business with capital from investors. So I think underlying all these things is always thinking about how can you prepare for what's coming next? And also, if you look back at what you've done, how have you shown what you've done is actually sustainable? There must be a, there must be a disparity amongst young entrepreneurs who are at that beginning level of growing and seeing some of the really big companies just burn through cash and go for years without making a, I don't know. There, I don't think there's an answer to it, but there must be a way that somebody at one level can equate something happening at that upper level where there, it doesn't look like they're ever going to make money, but at some point, Amazon's a great example where nobody ever thought they would make money, and now their stock is quite valuable. How do you help entrepreneurs navigate that? I think you need to understand the type of business that you have and the type of business that's going to go out and do that huge raise and perhaps like blitz scale, what you're talking about, where they would be ready for a very long period of unprofitability because there's a belief that there is just a massive opportunity on the other side, and therefore it justifies that level of investment. That's a, definitely a certain type of business. And I think it's one of the situations that might necessitate going after something like venture capital, because venture capital is designed for funding those situations where you're more in an R&D stage, where perhaps you're pre-monetization and you have you know, more to figure out there in terms of product market fit. But Perhaps the opportunity is so big that you want to go at a, a pace which wouldn't allow you to just reinvest your profits and like continue to grow at that rate. And I think that is a certain type of business. I wouldn't say that's the majority of businesses for sure. 0.05 businesses will raise venture capital. And I think for us, we're really excited more about, hey, the businesses that have found something that are working, but maybe are overlooked by those types of investors because there's just so many businesses that are have uh, you know, a truly great business with a great founder, and they have difficulty accessing capital. And really, our goal is to democratize more of that access and help more businesses get the funding that they need. How do you help 
service businesses. We've been talking a lot about physical business, physical product businesses, but are, are you seeing the same thing happening around services that would include maybe a SaaS subscription service or just a straight up service where you're selling, you're selling time and like an agency type of business. Are you seeing, do you work with that type of, that type of business? So we're less focused on services businesses where it is people are the main driver of growth because simply those businesses are a lot harder to scale and they're harder to predict. We do definitely work with SaaS businesses though, where they have a recurring business model. And you might also think that that a little bit like a e-commerce business that's doing subscriptions. There's a parallel there where they have this repeating base of customers who are potentially very loyal in SaaS. They can be incredibly loyal and therefore businesses can be really predictable. And so actually those type of businesses, we actually offer them even better terms on our products with the ability to access capital for an overall even lower cost because they have some really exciting fundamentals in them. And we want to like reward those businesses to, to help them grow as well. Are you seeing trends in the market or in the fundraising market right now for direct-to-consumer versus business-to-business, business, any kind of differentiators? I think direct-to-consumer obviously has had this huge period of growth just because everybody who is a, a, perhaps a late adopter to being interested in perhaps absorbing like shopping online or be willing to have things delivered has just been forced to, right, in this period. So we've just seen so much growth in that. I think what's interesting as well is, of course, it's become so much easier to build a business like that. Barriers to entry, given the technology and the platforms that are available, it's just so much lower than it was before. So the new challenge, I think, in direct-to-consumer is more about how do you find a unique space in that market? Because if you're thinking about launching a pet food brand, it's probably been done. What is your unique angle on that? How are you going to address the unaddressed within that market segment and then still build a significant brand? So I think it's like there's a new challenge to it. Previously, it was just about how do I take everything that you'd possibly buy in the store and, and really find a way to, to package it and actually help consumers with that along the way. But, but now the challenge is a little bit harder, I think. Yeah, and I, I do see a lot of similarities in that just making you, making sure you've developed a brand that is unique. I do speak to a lot of FBA fulfilled by Amazon people who say that if you don't have a specific brand, you're at risk of, you're at risk of everything. You have nothing substantial really to say other than just some turnover in your market. What, how do you, how do you tell brands to make sure that their brand is unique. And in that funding or in that an analysis, do you give feedback on when it's just a watered down piece of soap or compared to something that's unique? And What's interesting about our approach is that we're not analyzing the market as part of the way that we work or looking at like the long-term options for this product or going deep dives into your brand because we're using the real data about how your business is performing. So it's what we say, it's, it's not for us to judge whether or not um, people want to buy this product. We're actually going to really use the real details about who you've sold, how you sold it to be able to understand that there's the opportunity. And I think that's actually uh, almost a more fair way of thinking about it because so many um, opportunities have been missed by investors because they just didn't you know, necessarily believe there was a market because it just wasn't a product that they personally would buy. And so with this, I think it opens up a lot more founders who would otherwise have maybe missed out to actually also have you know, a chance at that, if you will. How about regions? 
are you're in the UK, I'm in the US, are you focusing on emerging regions like Africa or South America? So we haven't explored as much into Africa and Asia just yet. It's, it's in our sights. So far, though, we're in 22 countries across Europe. And then also in the U.S., as you mentioned. And for now, at least, I think that's probably enough. That's keeping us definitely very busy. I think the other thing that's interesting, though, related to just regionalization is this idea that previously, when some, when the founders were trying to raise capital, it was that you know, if you were in a major hub, you were at a huge advantage due to the concentration of investors. If you were a founder who was outside the Valley or New York or London, raising capital was so much harder. But I think a beautiful thing that's also happened you know, through the pandemic is that fundraising, of course, has now been compressed into these either 30-minute you know, chunks of virtual Zoom meetings if you're, you're trying to trade, raise equity, or options like us where you know, we're able to actually do everything online. And suddenly, like location is just less relevant. And I think that's a really wonderful thing because, again, it just means that more founders in more places can get the funding. The So the location of the ventures aren't important, but are the are you seeing a concentration of cities in the UK that would have a lot more entrepreneurs that are building businesses or is there trends in that, that that aren't really related to your business, but you can see things happening that are more exciting in a city compared to other parts of the UK? Yeah. So we're about to release some stats on this, but we've just been looking at, for example, how the mix of businesses distribution versus how we fund. And I think the pattern historically, right, if you look at definitely venture capital, is it is so concentrated around London. If you look at the companies that get funded, typically they would have a base very close to exactly where venture capitalists were. And there is this lovely ecosystem that happens to that, and that's fantastic. But I think what we've been excited about is that actually we can fund a disproportionate number of businesses that are all over the country. And that, I think, is the bigger opportunity because entrepreneurs are the people that are going to unlock so many of our challenges, whether it's like the environment, what's happening with our current economy. And so enabling more entrepreneurs in more places to get funding means we just have more people who are enabled to, to work on that problem. Yeah, I think we're, we're seeing that there is a lot more potential that's probably been overlooked. The, the platform itself for e-commerce, I'm extremely interested in. I know that the trend now is to go SaaS and Shopify has really dominated the market. Are you seeing are you seeing trends on what what merchants are using or going after in terms of startup and is there a complexity issue that makes a merchant tip to something else or is that just something you don't even look at? <laughs> to be honest, I haven't gotten into it too much of, of, of that level of detail. Probably our results are probably more skewed to the types of businesses that we've been you know, prioritizing talking to. And yes, we have tons of businesses that are on Shopify, probably because I think so many of the entrepreneurs who would have launched their business more recent, that would probably be the go-to tool. And we certainly see that both, especially in the US, when we're talking to entrepreneurs there. And uh, so that kind of skews the mix overall. But yeah, we've been really open to working with founders that are on a lot of different platforms. We connect to businesses that are on big commerce or WooCommerce that are on PrestaShop, which is really popular across Europe. And so, you know, we've been open to all the different platforms that entrepreneurs are using. There's actually a hundred different ways that you can get connected to us and be able to share your data and then get after the podcast, there'll be a hundred and one different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. So the how do merchants, somebody that is looking for capital, 
they're assessing the bank, they're assessing some other how what do you what do you tell them to when they're looking for raising some money? How do they end up finding you or what are those check marks that they go through to make sure that they have what they need to get money. I guess first, I guess if they're assessing the different options, as you suggest, I guess that's one one process. Maybe just sequencing through some funding options that people often go through. As we discussed before, self-funding is the first thing you consider, right? It's the first option founders have. And the benefit is, of course, you have full ownership. It can be slow to grow because you can only reinvest those profits. So at some point you're like, hey, I want some more capital. And as you mentioned, credit cards is probably where people probably go next. There can be some dangers with taking out uh, too much on your credit card and putting it in that way. Similarly with a bank loan, I remember thinking about bank loans and thinking, wow, interest rates are you know lower than ever. Now, why not? Usually the problem is that you're not eligible. You often need a minimum trading. And even alternative lenders, like when you're talking about Europe, even an alternative lender, they'll expect two years of history and a personal guarantee which means to fund your baby, you've got to put up your house. And so many entrepreneurs, they don't own a house or they don't come from a background that's let them afford that. So then as an entrepreneur, what do you do? You're left basically with options typically that give away. If if you mentioned talking to your family or maybe an angel investor, somebody who um, wants to provide you capital in exchange for either some convertible debt or some equity in itself. And I think that then you're you're into a new set of challenges and you've just basically got to meet the right person who has that inspiration to actually want to work with you, you know, align with you. You obviously have to also make sure that you want to work with that person. So with any investor, it's what are you willing to give up? And typically, if you're doing a full funding round, you're usually going to give away 20 to 30% of your company at each round of funding. But you might also give up control or a board seat. And once you give up that board seat and you give up that equity, you can't really get it back. It doesn't suit every business, but for some use cases, it makes sense. And I think in our case, in particular, when we're thinking about e-commerce businesses, I think the worst is when I see businesses that basically are raising equity funding only to go and you know spend that money on Facebook ads. Because so often they know that those Facebook ads actually have a really good return for them. They're putting in one pound and say they're getting five pounds back. It's really silly then to take that equity and use it in that way. So it's just, again, coming back to what are your options? thinking them through and then flowing to what's the source of capital that you can get that would be a good match. And uh, then I think the last part of your question was, hey, if you're trying to get funded from us, what do you need to, what do you need to be thinking about and being, being comparing us as an option, of course. What we're trying to do, of course, is give founders that other alternative where hopefully it is a lot faster to raise. It's more fair because they're not giving away that equity and they're paying that flat fee that's really flexible. So if things slow down, they're not cut out and hopefully that's going to be a good match for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. From a so I'm in entrepreneurs organization. It's there's a chapter in London. Are there organizations that you can tell you can share with entrepreneurs who are looking to find some group a group of like minded people who would share some of the struggles they're having outside of the funding stream, but in the entrepreneurial community? How do you sort of help people talk about the struggles you have as an entrepreneur because your average person doesn't say, Hey, I need 200,000 pounds to go buy t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to well, do? My, my intent on that is, is part, part of the reasons why I come in and speak with folks and try to get on, try to get on sessions like this is because it's an opportunity to tell people about that story and maybe have people avoid some of the mistakes 
that I made in, in raising funds. And in terms of, of groups that are available, I think those are incredible and we definitely need more of them. I think some of the best things that exist, there's various like LinkedIn groups that exist already in this space, but I think there's actually still a need for so much more. So many of them are really closed. I know a, a lot of entrepreneurs that we work with often will be part of WhatsApp groups where they're, they're chatting about these different issues that are related into their category, but you only stumble upon them by meeting one of those founders who happens to you know, have an in and will then you know, invite you into the group. And I think there's definitely a need for more community and, and more access to that information. Great. And how do you, how do you get through your entrepreneurial journey and keep happy? Is it is this your current business now is, is your entrepreneurial journey? Is this your first adventure? I mean, your third or fourth adventure? Are you moving on and, and excited about new things happening in the market in terms of what you're doing right now and what's coming next? This is actually my third venture. So I guess that was the, the different experiences that I had have led it to be really focused on this problem. Because some of the challenges that I had and, and, and those mistakes that I made. But yeah, how do you keep it together? I think it's just having the right mindset. I think if you're thinking about the journey of being an entrepreneur, fundraising is definitely one of the most challenging and time draining activities you undertake. And I think early on, definitely that part of it can seem like it's consuming way more time than you'd like. And it's often, there's also necessarily shortcuts in terms of being able to raise funds, especially if you're going down an equity route. So I think having a great helps you in that fundraising part, but also in the broader part of running a business. It's that realization that it is being successful and it really is about having enough resilience to get through those moments on the roller coaster when you get to the low so that you can really get to that high again. Great. And if somebody were to want to come to We Are Uncapped, weareuncapped.com, how, what would be the steps that they should prepare themselves to come to you or is everything there? <laughs> well, there's no, um, thankfully there's not much preparation they really need to do to work with us per se. I think the first steps of course is hopefully building, you know, a great business and building something that is sustainable and build built on good economics. And as I mentioned, our, our minimum um, starting point is when you're doing at least 10 K of monthly sales. So I think that is the, that's the key trigger in getting to that for at least six months means you're probably eligible to for our funding and some of the minimum requirements. So from there, you're connecting your data, and then hopefully we're turning around and making you an offer. So it, it can be incredibly quick. Excellent. So as we're looking to this next year, 2022, what, what if you have a golden nugget you could tell an entrepreneur or a business owner, what would you tell them right now? I think it's learning the lessons of what we learned in this last period. I think if we look at this last golden quarter, there were you know, some entrepreneurs who really struggled because they missed out on the opportunities given what's happening in the global supply chain. Um, but there's other entrepreneurs, I think, who were really successful because like, they, they took advantage of it and they saw the opportunity to double down their, their business and actually get the capital that they needed and go after those growth opportunities. And so I think the, I think the golden nugget and the lesson to learn going into 2022 is if you are one of those times who maybe missed out, how do you you know make sure that you're really ready for this next period? And if you're one of the founders who did really well, how can you go and take that success to this next level? And perhaps some funding can also help. As we close out our podcast, I give everybody an opportunity to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. So what would you like to promote today? I'd say that if you run an e-commerce store and you're making at least 10K per month, and you want to either scale your campaigns faster 
or purchase inventory, we would love to help. And actually last month we ran this super successful campaign and funded hundreds of store owners and we gave them up to 50K absolutely free. So no fee. Normally we charge a 6% fee, but last month we did it for exactly zero. And on our website, you won't find mention of this anymore. It's, it's gone. But um, Brett, I thought for listeners of your podcast, we'd be ready to make it happen again. All you have to do is reach out to me at asher at weareuncapped.com with the subject line secret 50K. And we can see if you qualify and hopefully um, get you funded. If my shameless plug would be to do it now, don't wait. It takes three minutes and uh, it would be really great to get more businesses funded in 2022. Great. I'll put all those uh, links in the show notes along with uh, with that email. Asher Ishmael, I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, it's been an enjoyable conversation. Uh, thank you so much and have a great week. All right. Thanks so much, Brett. Great to speak with you. This episode is brought to you by the Magento Association. Join today at magentoassociation.org forward slash join. Be part of a great and vibrant Magento community. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.